Hello and welcome to episode 57 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. One quick thing before we get started, which is that for you longtime listeners, you will be very happy to know that this is the last time you'll hear me say this. And for new listeners, really good timing. Because if you joined the Modern Manager membership community before midnight June 30th, 2019, you get two special bonus gifts. These are custom notebooks that I have produced and you only get them right now. To learn more about these notebooks and to join, go to mamieks.com slash join. Memberships start at $2 a month and they have different perks, but all of those perks are designed to help you learn more and put those learnings to work. So make this investment in yourself. Go to mamieks.com slash join. Now today's guest is my dear friend, Carissa Reiniger. Carissa is the founder and CEO of Silver Lining Limited. She started Silver Lining in 2005 and created the Silver Lining Action Plan, or SLAP, a methodology that has helped over 10,000 small business owners in nine countries set and hit their growth goals. She has worked with major organizations such as Google and the White House and Hewlett Packard, and the list goes on and on and on. She and her work have been featured in places like the New York Times, the National Post, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, again, the list goes on and on. Carissa is on a mission to help more small business owners make money doing what they love because she genuinely believes that we can change the economy one small business at a time. Now, Carissa and I are not going to talk about growing a small business because this is the modern manager and we talk about management. So what you're going to see is that Carissa is just all around amazing and I cannot wait for you to hear how she has set up her company, which is 100% virtual. She and I talk about the incredible systems for hiring, onboarding, and managing employees that she and her team have developed at Silver Lining, which is also very much about the strong, healthy culture that they have fostered. So be prepared to be blown away. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Carissa, I am so, 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 so excited for you to be chatting with me today. As you know, I am a huge fan of you and a huge fan of Silver Lining, and I just cannot wait to dig into all of these good topics today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. So you have a global business and you have employees all over the world, many of whom you have never met. So I want to know how you build this incredible team at a distance. Kind of, there, there has to be some magic sauce that you have to have found these amazing people, hired them, onboarded them, managed them. What do you do? <laughs> Let's just go really big. What is it that you do to make your business work? Yeah, so that is a very big and exciting and complicated question. And so what I would say is, first of all, I always have to do a disclaimer when I talk about these things, because like I'm sure everyone who's listening, I am still figuring it out. You know, managing people is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And we're getting better at it and we've cracked some codes. But, you know, I feel like it's a journey that I'll be on for my entire life. So I want to put that disclaimer in. That being said, some of the things that we have learned. So as you mentioned, about five years ago, we were looking at our business and we were trying to figure out how to get our price point down for our small business customers 
while protecting our business. And we realized that one of our primary cost centers was just leases. We had offices all over the place. And, you know, I had this realization that like, I don't want to go to an office. So I sent a message to all my team members and said, do you guys want to like, do you guys even like having an office? And one of the realizations that we had really early on is we, I wanted to be a company that celebrated freedom and that built a group of human beings that I treated like adults, that I made the assumption that they could manage their time and they didn't have to come to work from nine to five to prove to me that they were doing their job, but rather we would build a culture that was results oriented instead of, you know, clocking in and clocking out oriented. And that by getting rid of all of our offices and letting everyone have the freedom to work remotely, we would create this kind of unique circumstance where everyone would in fact have that freedom and then have the responsibility to essentially manage themselves accordingly based on that freedom. And so we've got a unique situation where, to your point, I have not met the majority of my team members in person, although I talk to them all the time on video conference and it feels like we know each other. And we have hired people in over 14 countries around the world. And so we've dealt with a lot of stuff around culture and, you know, just all sorts of interesting realities. And the, the top three things that I think that we've learned in that process are number one, it is very hard for humans to learn the skills of essentially being self-disciplined, self-structured and results oriented. That unfortunately, that is very counterculture. And so we have learned that we actually have to spend a lot of time deprogramming people in terms of the way that they've been taught what it means to go to work every day. And so that, you know, we could talk about that probably for five hours just in and of itself, but I'll leave that there for now. The second big thing that we've learned is that the interview process doesn't start until after training. And what I mean by that is, so the way that we actually physically do it is we recruit from about 20 different sites around the world that specialize in remote workers. We put our candidates through a very aggressive application process where even just to get a chance for an interview, they fill out an application form that probably takes them about 45 minutes that includes personality tests and, you know, just internet speed tests. I mean, so many different things that we're essentially checking. Once they've submitted that application, it gets reviewed by two different people and voted on. And then the interview process starts. We do three interviews and then we hire, you know, the successful candidate. Once the successful candidate is hired, they enter essentially a certification process, which is a training and a trial period. And that lasts between 100 and 200 hours of work, depending on the role they're being essentially screened for. And out of that, you know, we cut about 50% of the people that start training and trial and only about 50% get certified and get the full-time job. So I say all of that to say that we have this incredibly robust vetting process and training process, and we are really committed to essentially making sure that this is a mutual fit, that silver lining is where they want to be and that they're the right people for you know, the work and the culture that we have. So that's, the, that's been the second big thing that we've had to kind of implement is just this incredibly thorough and incredibly structured vetting process. And the third thing that I would say that I think is just really important in the context of what we've learned is that, you know, people are interested in you know, a new model of being managed and performing. And because the work that we do is so oriented around behavior change for our business owners that we get to work with, being at Silver Lining is almost like a crash course, you know, in, in behavior change and optimizing performance. And so it's just been really interesting as we've thought a lot about, you know, our mandate as a company to help businesses grow. 
really translating that to trying to figure out how to help our own people grow um, and really think differently about work and life and the future of work. And I think there's just a really incredible opportunity to rethink you know, what it means to manage people. And it's not a just, I mean, we certainly are very process oriented, but it's not just that. It's, it's letting people learn how to do critical thinking and how to, you know, have opinions and voices. And we're just, you know, I'm always surprised how much of that has gotten beat out of people in their careers previous to us. So that's probably a longer answer than you wanted, but that's, a, those are some of the things that we've learned. No, that is exactly what I was looking for. And I, I would love to go through each of them in a little more detail. So can we start with the first piece when you talked about unlearning behaviors and kind of preparing for this remote type of work? Can you talk more about some experiences you've had and the kinds of things that you're having to retrain or teach people how to do or break down those old bad habits? Yeah. So the things that we see the most are that people are really afraid to have an opinion. We see that people have been trained to be submissive versus kind of contributive. And we see that people are, you know, live in the assumption that the company is trying to get everything out of them instead of trying to give something to them. And so probably, you know, if I was going to pick one of those things to really talk about, the one that really sticks out to me and that I feel particularly passionate about is just this idea that, you know, we, we try to tell our people you know, silver lining is a democracy. Every single person has an equal voice inside of this organization. We have different authority levels. We have different responsibilities, but we have equal voice. And, you know, the processes that we have in place are about creating a structure where everyone can contribute. And so we work really hard, you know, with moderate degrees of success, to be honest, around really helping people understand we want to hear their opinions. And in fact, to be a good contributor, to be a good team member, we don't just want you to follow along and be a yes person, but we want you to push back and have a thought process and you know have your own perspective that can make the system better. And to me, that is just so obvious. Like as an owner of a business, I would imagine, you know, why wouldn't everyone want all of their team members to have opinions and voices and, you know, thoughts that they could contribute? But I am just continually amazed at how many people struggle with that and feel so uncomfortable and and haven't worked in an environment where that has been fostered in them. And we have to fight hard to get people out of safety and into feeling safe, kind of being more verbal and having more thoughts and opinions. So that's one example that's just really profound and always surprises me. Is there something that you or your other managers do in meetings to help draw out those opinions? Or is there a particular tactic that gets taken? Like I'm thinking for people who are listening who are like, yeah, that's what I want. But like, how do I make people feel safe to share? So we do three or four things. One is in every meeting, we always make sure we do opening and closing comments. And, you know, we make sure everyone in the room does an opening comment and a closing comment. So regardless of, you know, status or seniority, everyone in that room, you know, gets the chance to speak and and have an opinion or a perspective. So that's just kind of a practice that we have. And, you know, opening and closing comments take a couple of minutes at the beginning and the end. It's not like it's, you know, five hours long, but everyone just gets a quick chance to, you know, check in and have a voice. The second thing is that we have a suggestion box. It sounds so silly, but every time someone comes up with an idea, we really try to celebrate it and actually say to them, oh, that's great. Can you put that in the suggestion box? And because we work virtually, our suggestion box is obviously inside of our online collaboration platform and public. And 
we have the ability to, you know, like it and say that's great. And so I am always, and our leadership team is always trying to encourage people to take a comment they make and actually turn it into a real suggestion and then see how that suggestion actually translates into a real change in the business. So we're trying to demonstrate that having an opinion can get to actual change and that they have influence. The third thing that we do is we have a thing we call silver stars. And it's a little bit like a new take on the old employee of the month idea. But we specifically, everyone in the company can give anyone else in the company a silver star. But as a leadership team, we specifically give silver stars whenever we see someone taking initiative and kind of putting themselves out there or speaking up. And, and we are very conscious about very publicly rewarding that behavior. And then the third thing is that every month, every single person in the business does what we call a rules goals meeting. Um, and that structure is that every person in the business takes one hour out of kind of day-to-day life a month, and they just pause and reflect. And we have a series of questions that we provide that we ask them to reflect on. And it's questions very simple, like, what are your three goals? You know, what are your current results? How many hours did you work in the last month? When you look at those hours... What's the relationship between you know, the hours that you've worked and the results that you've accomplished based on that, right? What do you think you need to do more of? What do you think you need to do less of? What do you need from your manager to succeed? You know, and do you have any ideas for the company? And so every single month, every single person in the business steps away and answers, right? Does self-reflection on those answers. And then every single person in the business meets with their manager for an hour to talk through their self-reflection and to share their insights. And so we've essentially turned management meetings on their head. You know, there's no meeting where the manager is managing that person, but rather the person is self-reflecting, coming to their own conclusions about how they're doing and what they need, and then learning to talk to their manager about that reflection. And so in that roles, goals process, in that kind of like upside down monthly management meeting, we're again trying to reinforce this very real reality. You are in charge of your destiny. Your opinions matter. You tell us what you need and we will honor that and support you. And so those are just some really practical things that we've done to try to create that shift. This is amazing. And I am imagining that it doesn't work for every person, which is why you have such a robust hiring process, because it's not, not every person is going to like the autonomy and the authority and the, you know, the empowerment that you're giving them. So can you talk more about the hiring process that you go through? You talked about this certification. What is all of that and kind of what does it look like in, in more detail? Yeah. So again, this I could talk for about 20 million hours on this because I think it's so interesting. And this has been a labor of love that I, I've built all of it based on, you know, my 13 years in business and everything that I've seen. And so essentially, in, in trying to not take up too much time, but be thorough. So the application form, like I said, is really the beginning. And, and the primary thing we're testing for in the application form is the degree to which they're actually committed. You know, what we see when in all of us, right, we post a job posting, we get hundreds of applications, half of them people didn't even organize their cover letter. So we don't accept applications, we don't accept cover letters, we only accept applications through this very specific application form that we've created. And when we look at that application form, you know, we, we vet out, I mean, at least 90% of the applications. And again, we vet every application through three lenses, a culture fit, a skill set fit, and kind of a like, I think we call it, I'm trying to remember the exact language we use, but essentially it's a, you know, 
do they have the, the gumption to actually work remotely? And so, again, in that application form, we are making it hard on purpose. We just want to know, would someone sit down and fill out this application form? That's the first step. And that shows us a lot about their personality and all those things. Then, like I said, there's three interviews. The first interview is our people manager does it. And the people manager is just essentially interviewing for our non-negotiables. You know, do they show up on time? Do they turn their camera on so that we can see their face and they've got working Wi-Fi? Do they, you know, have the basic skill sets for the job? So on and so forth. So we're doing, we essentially do a very detailed non-negotiables interview. The people manager interviews a minimum of five people and chooses the top three. The hiring manager, the person who's actually going to manage that person, does the second interview. And they interview based on pure skill set, right? Does this person have the skill set I need? And then personality. Could I, you know, could I work with this person all day long every day? Based on those interviews, the hiring manager chooses their top two. And then a totally unbiased third party in the business does the final interview and does kind of just like a final gut check on who they think the best candidate is. And based on that, we make the hire. Now, once the hire is made, like I said, they start slap you, we call it slap university, slap you. And every single person, regardless of seniority, you know, whether you're coming in as the most junior level person or as an executive, everyone does slap you. There's no exceptions. And essentially, we do a 30 minute onboarding meeting at the beginning of the week where we give them expectations and then we leave them alone for five days. And every single person has to go through the first 40 hours of training, which should take them five days. And that is, you know, an onboarding module, an intro to silver lining where we teach on our mission and our values, a be a silver star module where we talk about performance expectations, culture, our progressive discipline policy, our leadership path, you know, how you can get promoted and excel. We have a public compensation chart that we see everyone sees. So they all know, you know, what how much money they could make based on the role they have in the business. We do an incredibly transparent review of all of those things. And then the final module is SLAP, where they learn about our product. And throughout the training, there's training videos, which are essentially learning sessions. There's assignments in every module where they have to essentially you know, write a quiz or do their own kind of interpretation of what they've learned. There's role plays. There's actual work we get them to do to show, you know, to put it into practice. And then there's meetings they might have with key people in the business based on the role. And so for that first 40 hours, everyone goes through it. And we literally, we rate the assignments, we rate the role plays, and we calculate the ratings essentially into a SLAP score, a SLAP U score. And people have to get a minimum of 87% or higher in order to keep going in the training. And then we have the same type of structure for the second version of training. And then we have a third milestone. So there's three milestones of training, each with a combination of learn, assignments, role plays, work, and meetings all scored on a daily basis and all on a pass-fail basis. And so, again, in the midst of all that detail, what we're looking for is can this person self-manage themselves? You know, can they pass the assignments? You know, do they have comprehension skills? You know, do they become part of the team in that process? Are they active? Are they, you know, engaged? You know, and, and, it's, and it's amazing how at this point, I mean, it, it, how it went from being just such a confusing you know, how do you find good people? Been from such a confusing question to really being a science at this point. I mean, we can tell usually within two or three days if someone's going to succeed or not, just based on their behavior, which is exactly the same thing that's true in the work that we do with our customers. I can't even imagine what it took to build that training course. 
And as a manager, I'm thinking about like all the work I have to do just in general. And then the work I'm doing right now to manage my own team and stay connected to people. And then also finding time to build a system like that. Was it just a crazy process for you to, to get that all on paper or kind of into a system? It was. And I, I say to anyone who is thinking about doing the same thing, you know, be prepared for the beast that it is. Now, the other way of looking, so there's one way of looking at it, which is, oh my God, it was so much work. And it was, you know, I've spent hundreds of hours. I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of hours building this. The other way of thinking about it though, is if I look at all of the time that I spent saying the exact same thing over and over and over again to every employee we ever had before I built this, right? I spent thousands of hours doing that. And so my motivation for building it was that I was just getting so sick of saying the same thing and training the same thing over and over again to different people that I had this idea, well, if I just record myself saying it, then you know, I'll, the next time I have to train it, I'll record it, but then it will be there forever. And when we hire the next person, they can just watch the recording. And that was really the genesis of it. And so you know, if you're someone like me that's you know, a little bit overambitious, you, know, you could make it a project and just get it all done and build this whole thing you know, and be done with it in a couple of months and quite frankly, change your life entirely. But if it's something that you need to be more realistic about in terms of an investment, my challenge would to you would just be start recording every training you do, right? Every time you feel like you need to teach someone how to do something, document it and turn it into a process, not a one-off conversation. Every time you sit down to train a new employee on something, record it instead of doing it as a one-off meeting. And all those one-off things that you do all of a sudden over time turn into a set of you know trainings and processes that you can then use over and over again. And over a period of time, once you get things documented, it relieves, you know, so much time as a manager once it's all done. I have to give a shout out to that approach because that's exactly what I do. And I have a number of videos that I just went through a transition with my assistant. And I was like, here, here's how you learn how to do these things. And I walked her through the kind of general, like, how do you understand this document? and all the pieces. And I said, watch the videos. And after you do it the first time, we'll check it together and make sure that you understood the, the process and you didn't have any questions. And maybe I missed something in the training video. It's always possible. But then I don't have to do that whole walkthrough for every single task. I just do the walkthrough of the document and then she can run with it or he can run with it. And it is so much better. It saves so much of my time and they can go back and look at it again and again especially for some of the tasks I ask people to do where you might only do it once a month. And if I train you on it one time and you don't do that same task again for a month, you might forget. It's not uncommon. I forget how to do stuff too. So it's great to have those videos. Totally. And what I would even add to that, so this sounds so inhuman, but it, you know, we live in a world where very few people are going to be in the business for a hundred years, right? There is, people are going to transition. We need to be prepared for that. We need to expect it. And one of the assignments that people actually do on their third day of training is they craft their exit strategy. I mean, we just, we, they craft their path to leadership and they craft their exit strategy at the exact same time. And it's on the table and we know what they want. I, I mean, it's just really, really, I mean, very transparent. And what we say to them is, for the time you're at Silver Lining, whether that's one year or 10 years, you know, whatever that is, you know, make the system better than you left it. So stop worrying about, you know, your own performance and instead contribute to this machine 
that is better than each of us as individuals. And that really, you know, I feel like my job as the CEO, but each person's job is not to make the business reliant on us, but rather to build a, a system that is bigger and more powerful than any one individual. And so we talk about that idea really, really, really transparently that, you know, we all need to not have the same conversation twice, right? If we have to say it once, standardize it. If we are teaching someone how to do something, that means there must be a gap in our process. So fix the gap. Don't just do the training, fix the gap. And, you know, all of us for the time that we're at Silver Lining, you know, could make the system better than you left it essentially. And so we just, yeah, the idea that we're all contributing and building a system together is a really nice framework for everyone on the team to, to kind of think about. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. You mentioned something earlier called progressive discipline. Can you explain what that is? Yes. So we made a commitment to our team, again, in a very transparent way that, you know, we will protect our stars. We will protect the people who work hard and are responsible. And that means that we have to be firm about the people who are not contributing because it's not fair for the over contributors to have to make up for the under contributors. That's not right, right? That's a really messy and flawed model that the the really amazing people are always covering for the ones who are not contributing. Uh, And I think in so many companies, you know, essentially they're making decisions to protect the underperformers, you know, usually just by complacency, not necessarily by choice. And so as a commitment to our performers and as a commitment to protecting the people who go above and beyond, we built our progressive discipline policy. And again, it's very public, but essentially when we notice that someone is underperforming, we have a progressive policy. So the first is that we try to do coaching with them. So we let them know that this is the first step of progressive discipline. You know, we're not, this is not to be taken lightly. You know, there's a problem we have to solve, but we try coaching first and we try coaching for 90 days. And so we either bring in an external coach or we, you know, we bring someone, we assign them to someone within our team who we think has a a style or a personality or a skill set that could help them. And we give them a very clear mandate. You know, in 90 days, we need to see this change and we're going to give you the coaching support to help you make that change. In the event that the coaching doesn't work or more accurately, the person does not accept the coaching to change their behavior, we write a written warning. So if at 90 days, nothing's changed, we write a written warning. And the written warning has, you know, a very clear, you know, mandate for change. It essentially has to happen within the next 30 days usually, although you know every situation is a little unique. If that behavior hasn't changed, we will give them a second written warning halfway through that first written warning period, essentially saying, all right, you know, we're not seeing any signs of change. And so you need to be clear, like we're now at second written warning phase. And if behavior still doesn't change, they get a third written warning. And at the third written warning, it's termination. And so Our philosophy is that, you know, as a business, we can't invest forever in underperformers. Um, You know, the whole process takes about four months. And, you know, in the best case scenario, they turn around, they get the coaching, they get the wake up call and things get better. And in the worst case scenario, you know, we've given them our all, we've given them multiple warnings, we've given them clear, tangible outcomes that they have to create. And if nothing has changed, then, you know, we make the decision that's probably not the right mutual fit and we let them go. So that's the, that's our approach to it. That is such a different approach than I hear most companies take. And I am, I just, it's so simple and clean and not fast, 
but swift. I mean, it's one of the things I see a lot of people do, which is struggle with when to let somebody go and they go back and forth and ham and haw because they don't want to let someone go. And ultimately it becomes this long drawn out process and they haven't done the right supports to help that person actually make behavior change. They haven't given them coaching or they haven't been clear about the expectations. So this is just such a nice, simple and streamlined process that I think every manager could, could learn from. Well, and one of the things I would add to that is that, you know, we talk about it, right? Again, in day three of trading, we talk about our progressive discipline policy. And so there's no mystery to it. And, um, you know, it's worth noting that in addition to our progressive discipline policy, you know, we have an app, a private app in our workspace that allows our team to essentially give us a written warning <laughs> where, you know, if they're unhappy with us, they can give us a written warning and say, you know what, I'm really, you know, I feel like I've tried to talk to my manager about this, or I feel like I've tried to talk about this and I'm not getting resolution in the way that I want. And so I'm filing a written warning against the company, you know, and, and so we are really clear that, you know, this is a mutual commitment that we have to each other. And so we need to be really swift and clear about our expectations of our people and they need to perform so that we can protect the over contributors. And we want the feedback. We want to know when people are upset so that we get the chance to also correct our ways. And so it's very much a mutual process. And again, the number one thing that I think is important is that it's a very public process, meaning not that what people are going through is public, but what the process is. You know, there's a lot of people have so much angst about whether they're going to get fired one day or, you know, they, they just, there's so much angst in, in people around this and we try to normalize it, you know, be really on, this is the process. You'll, you'll never get fired by surprise. You know, you'll know that it's happening. And so that's the piece that feels really important. And I think it's also really important what you just said about a chance for people to say that their manager or their supervisor or their team leader, whoever it is above them, is not giving them what they need. Cause that is really hard. It's really hard for people to, to speak up against their manager when they feel like their manager doesn't care and you are going around them and like, I have to go to my manager's boss and then I have to complain to that person. And having that simple, transparent process and empowering people, as you said before, like you've got to, when people feel empowered and their voice matters, they're more likely to speak up and say, my manager is not doing their job. My manager's not giving me what I need and I need some help with this. So that's just, Awesome in so many ways. All right. We are coming to the end of this though. And so I just, I'm sure that people want to know, and I like, you know, I love your business. I love how you run it, but I also love what you do for small businesses. So where can people learn more about Silver Lining, about SLAP program and keep up with you? Thank you for saying all that. I think the best place is just our website. So it's small biz silver lining, S-M-A-L-L-B-I-S. Z or Z, depending on what country you live in, <laughs> uh, silverlining.com. And on it, there's tons of information about the program. But yeah, I mean, really, our, our small business program is not dissimilar, right? It's about helping small business owners set their growth goals and then giving them the accountability and the training and the structure and the support and the strategy to help them actually follow through and hit their goals. And so, you know, what we think all day long about at Silver Lining for our people and our businesses that we get to work with is really just behavior change, right? How do you help people constantly optimize their behavior in order to get results? And yeah. So if you're a small business owner and you're listening, go to the website, check it out. There's lots of places to fill out contact forms and we all look at them and you'll you'll hear from a real human really quickly. Thank you, Carissa, for giving us this behind the scenes look at how you run your business. And thank you for all the wisdom that you've shared today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you so much. To help you bring what Carissa has done to your team, members of the Modern Manager community get her team cheat sheet. 
which they use to set mutual expectations and ensure a basic understanding of how they operate, so everyone is crystal clear. You also get their verbal warning and coaching template, which they use as part of their progressive discipline process. You can use this template and simply update the values and items that you want your team to be held accountable to. To get these bonuses, go to mamieks.com join. And when you do, again, before June 30th, 2019, you also get those extra bonus gifts. Now, if you happen to also be a small business owner, you should totally check out the SLAP program. I have done it and it is pretty amazing. All these links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at mamiechaos.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.